0: you would remain standing for our scripture reading. It's nice and short. Uh, It's from Matthew chapter 13 verses 47 through 50. Jesus said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. When it was full, men drew it ashore and sat down and sorted the good into containers but threw away the bad. So it will be at the end of the age. The angels will come out and separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Uh, You may be seated. please pray with me. Uh, Heavenly Father, as we open up your word this morning, uh, I pray that you would open up our hearts. Father, I pray that you would open our eyes uh, so that we can see, that you would open our ears that we might hear, uh, open our minds to to understand, and yes, Lord, open our hearts so that we might believe uh, the truth of the gospel that you have for us this morning. Uh, And Father, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing and honoring in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus' name alone that we pray. Amen. Uh, For those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Mike Fenema. Uh, I am an assistant pastor up at Parish Presbyterian. Um, It is always a joy for me to be here at Zion. Uh, not only uh, myself uh, because of your commitment to uh, me and to the church plant that we had in Spring Hill, uh, but also to my wife and her family uh, who had the joy, uh, the privilege of uh, uh, attending and growing up here at Zion as well. Um, it's always a pleasure to see so many familiar faces, uh, friends, family, uh, people that we know and love, um, so it's a joy to be here um, Uh, This morning, as we look at this parable of Jesus, um, I was struck by the fact that Jesus uses story uh, so often in his ministry to teach his disciples and to the people around him uh, because story has an amazing effect in our lives. Um, We can argue a point, use precise logic, But it's often a story that sinks in, Uh, because story has the ability to take truth from our heads down into our hearts. Um, For instance, I can tell you that God is always faithful and God always provides. But let me tell you a story. Um, In about a month, I'm going to be getting a new wheelchair, which I'm very excited about. Uh, Never thought in my life that I would be excited about a wheelchair, but I am. Uh, This wheelchair has served me well over the last three plus years. Uh, But because of the progress I've made, um, something lighter, uh, something a little um, less bulky would benefit me tremendously. So we knew that getting a new wheelchair at this point would not be cheap. Uh, usually it takes about five years for insurance to, um, uh, to be willing to, to go in for another wheelchair. So seeing it's only three years, we knew that um, this probably was going to cost um, us a lot out of pocket. Uh, but for me to continue to make progress as I am, uh, this would be a really good thing for us. So we headed down to Atlanta, which is where I did my therapy down at the Shepherd Center. Got, um, I rolled into a place that I knew very well, and they had a couple of wheelchairs set out for me uh, for me to look at. And as soon as I rolled in, I saw the one. I was like, that's it. That's the one. Um, of course, it would be the most expensive, right? Yeah, that's what it was. Uh, but it was perfect chair for me, perfect. Um, and they told us how much it was going to cost took a deep breath, um, and we decided then and there that we were going to trust that God would provide. Um, as, uh, we were heading to our hotel that evening, we launched a, a GoFundMe, and we're just praying that, that God would provide an opportunity for us to purchase this chair. Uh, we drove home back to, to Middle Tennessee the next day, and every once in a while, we would just check the update, um, And wouldn't you know it, by about the time that we got home, uh, we received just about as much as we needed uh, for that wheelchair um, in less than 24 hours God had provided. But the story doesn't end there. It actually was going to cost a little bit more than we anticipated when we got the quote. Um, And wouldn't you know it, the money kept coming in, and we received not only what we needed, but also a little bit extra uh, so that the chair is completely paid for. Um, God provides. Um, he always does. He is faithful and God provides. Um, you know, Jesus is a great storyteller. Um, he has been sharing the truth about the kingdom through his stories to, uh, to the crowds and specifically to his disciples and he has truth for us regarding the kingdom through this very brief but very pointed story this morning. Uh, Jesus tells a fish tale, um, but it's a, it's a true fish tale, not one of those fantastical ones that we often tell. Um, so let's journey through the parable first. Like I said, it's a short one, um, and, it, and it's brief. And uh, when I was growing up, I was always told that parables are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's just a really easy way to describe what parables are doing. So, if that's the case, let's look at the earthly story that Jesus tells first. He says, The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and gathered fish of every kind. So, this is not using a rod and a reel type fishing. Uh, This is using a dragnet, where the the fishermen lay out the net, it sinks, and then when it's time, they pull the net up, and they gather everything in its path. Um, Every kind of fish, Jesus mentioned here. Um, And as Jesus describes, um, uh, it is done at the right time, and everything is gathered, and those uh, are important aspects here says, when it's full, men drew it ashore, sat down, sorted the good into containers, but threw away the bad. So when they knew it was the right time, they pulled it up, and they began sorting, because it does collect everything. Not just the things that they want, but everything. Uh, so the fishermen began to sort what they wanted to keep and what they wanted to throw away. They kept the good and they threw away the bad. They're good fishermen. Um, I can't imagine what the, the disciples were thinking when Jesus was telling the story. Uh, we know at least four of them were fishermen. Uh, the two brothers, James and John, and, uh, and uh, Peter and Andrew, were fishermen. So uh, they may have been thinking, is Jesus trying to teach us about fishing here? Because he knows we're fishermen, right? Um, But the beauty of Jesus is that he knew they knew these these things. And so he uses something that's so close to them, so near and dear, uh, to teach them a very deep spiritual lesson. So it's not just that Jesus is teaching them about fishing. He's teaching them about the kingdom of heaven. And he transitions and he says, so it will be at the end of... The age, um, You know, some of the parables I think you've been looking at uh, give descriptions of the kingdom or even how important the kingdom will be. If you look just before uh, our verses this morning, it uh, talks about the importance of the kingdom or the value of the kingdom. Well, in this parable, Jesus is giving them particular insight into some events that will happen as the kingdom is ushered in. Uh, It's very interesting, actually. Uh, It's a little insight into what God has planned for the kingdom of heaven. Um, Jesus says the, the angels will come out, they will separate the evil from the righteous and throw them into the fiery furnace. You know, Jesus doesn't share a lot of details in his fish story in the beginning. It's a very simple story. Uh, but he shares even fewer details here in the second part. Uh, he leaves out a lot of detail, and it's important for us to know what he leaves out because that gives us an indication of, of what's important to Jesus, of what he's really stressing here. Uh, the pulling in of the net is a symbol for the ends of the age. And, and when we say the end of the age, uh, we know from other passages of Scripture That Jesus is referring to the time when he will come again. The disciples may not have fully understood it at the time. They probably didn't. Um, Jesus doesn't share the details in the parable about what exactly that will look like. And certainly not the time. Um, And he doesn't mention who collects the evil and the righteous together. Or how that is done. He does not give us details because that's not the point. He just assumes that it is, and he goes straight to what will happen when the net is brought in at the end of the age. He says the angels are going to be the ones who are separating. Um, Jesus, once again, spares the details, doesn't say what that will look like, how. He just says that it's going to happen. Uh, We can speculate, but that's not what Jesus is calling us to do here. And he says the righteous and the evil will result in different outcomes. He says the evil will be thrown into the fiery furnace. And when you hear the words fiery furnace, uh, if you're like me, you probably think of the book of Daniel, chapter 3, with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Uh, not something that you would want to experience. In fact, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were being thrown into the furnace, it was so hot that the soldiers who threw them in actually perished. Um, Not a good place. Um, So the evil will be thrown into a fiery furnace. And the righteous, well, Jesus leaves that detail out. He doesn't tell us. He just says what will happen to the ones who are evil. And that's significant. Uh, We'll get to that in just a minute. And then Jesus ends his story on a high note. And everyone lived happily ever after, right? Uh, No, this is not a Disney tale. Um, He ends with a very sobering statement. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And that's the end. Um, this isn't going to end like the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who were saved from the fiery furnace. Um, this is not uh, a situation where you want to find yourself. Um, and so what does Jesus mean with this parable? Uh, what does it mean for the disciples, and what does it mean uh, also for us today? Well, I think they're Uh, There's many things. That's the beauty of a story. Um, There's lots of meanings that we can gather from this. Um, But I want to look at three in particular this morning, uh, what it meant for Jesus teaching his disciples and also teaching us as well. Uh, One of them is that this event, uh, this dragging, uh, this pulling in of the net at the end of the age, it's going to be all-inclusive. It's important for us to understand that. It's all-inclusive. Jesus says that fish of every kind, Uh, everything is caught. Like I mentioned before, this is not using a rod and reel, getting one fish at a time. This is using a dragnet, and everything is brought in, Uh, the bad and the good, uh, the evil and the righteous. What that means for the disciples and also for us is that everyone will stand before God at the end of the age. Everyone, even those who claim that God doesn't exist, that He's a, a figment of our imagination, everyone will stand before the Lord in judgment. There's no escape. We can't uh, swim away from the net. That judgment is coming for all of us. And we know this is true because uh, John tells us in the book of Revelation that we will all stand before the Lord, the book of life will be opened, uh, and we will be judged. Uh, that's sobering, every single one of us. Um, and in the end, that means that we're all on the level playing field from the least of us to the greatest. Uh, no one escapes we will all stand before the Lord. Um, it's sobering. Um, not only is it all-inclusive, but it's also binary. Uh, binary is kind of a buzzword right now uh, when we think of um, what's going on in our culture with uh, gender and, uh, and other issues It's controversial when we use the word binary right now, Um, but it's also controversial in this passage as well because it is good versus evil, it's righteous versus unrighteous. There's not a third option here it's bad and good, it's evil and righteous. It's very similar to a parable that Jesus tells later on in Matthew in uh, the 25th chapter, when he talks about the sheep and the goats. It's either fully in or fully out. The fishermen put them in good container, the good in, in containers, and they put the bad. Um, in the description that Jesus gives of the kingdom of heaven. Uh, He doesn't describe the righteous, but he does describe what happens to the evil. There's no third direction. So the question for us this morning is, who are the righteous? What does it take to be the good? Um, It's a very sobering question. Um, This is a place where it can cause some fear. And that's understandable. Um, What makes a person righteous? How can I make sure that I'm not one of the evil that's thrown into the fiery furnace? Thankfully, we have scripture to remind us that the righteousness is not of our own. It's not that we have to make ourselves a good fish, Uh, it's not by our works but by grace through faith in Christ. The one who is telling the parable is the one who makes us righteous. Uh, Ephesians 2, Paul reminds us that it is by grace we have been saved through faith. And that's not of our own. It's the gift of God, not by works. And in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 7, he also reminds us that if anyone is in Christ. He is a new creation. The old has gone. Behold, the new has come. So I don't want you to have fear this morning, brothers and sisters. Uh, I also don't want to think that we can make ourselves into this righteous or these good fish. It's by God's grace through Christ. And it's through faith in him. So it's all inclusive. It comes to all of us. It's binary, it's good and evil. There's no third direction. But it's also very decisive. Um, Jesus isn't uh, giving the description of catch and release here Um, no fish get thrown back into the water, the evil get justice. And the righteous remain. This isn't a time for appeals. There's no time for second chances. When Christ comes again, that's it. He doesn't look at a fish and say, Oh, this one's you know needs some more time back in the water. Um, this one's too little. Um, it's decisive. When the dragnet gets pulled in, It's the end of the age. Kind of makes you want to live with a a sense of urgency, doesn't it? Um, I remember when I was a kid, um, I was the youngest in my family. And my sisters would often be off doing things or with their friends. And uh, my parents would maybe go on an errand and leave me home alone. They would give me a task to complete. And that was the time before cell phones, uh, knowing when and exactly where they were or when they would return. And so I had to be diligent because I didn't know when my parents would return and they would want my tasks to be done. Um, as my children know of me, uh, sometimes I struggled to be diligent and didn't always get the things done that needed to be done in the time um, but Jesus is providing a sense of urgency for us here. Um, when the end of the age comes, it's decisive. That's it. This is serious. Uh, this is a a sobering parable that Jesus tells his disciples, and he doesn't pull any punches here at all. Um, now, I don't believe he's trying to do something in his disciples to, in a sense, scare them straight. Uh, But he is wanting them to understand the gravity of the kingdom of heaven here. And by helping them and also helping us understand what will come, Jesus is actually helping us to live properly today. And to help us do that, we do need to understand the truth of the gospel. Uh, We know the grand narrative throughout all of scripture. We can actually divide it into four simple words of creation, fall, redemption, and consummation. Um, We know that God created the world, and he made it good. He made it in a way that would bring him honor and glory. And when he set man and woman in in his perfect creation, he called them to honor him, to fill the earth, to subdue it. He gave them a task to care for the garden. He gave Adam a task to name the animals, um, and he called them to obey him. But we know that it only took three chapters of our Bible to know that they didn't. They didn't do that perfectly, and they fell. Uh, They sinned against God, and it affected all of creation. Everything, not just human beings, but all of it. And there was nothing that we could do to make our way back to God. We became unrighteous, and there was nothing we could do to become righteous. Uh, Paul reminds us in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But praise be to God in his grace. He did not leave us in that state. Instead, he sent his own son, Jesus, to provide redemption for us something that we could not do Jesus came and became like us yet without sin he lived like us he suffered for us on our behalf and Jesus pour, God poured on Jesus all the wrath that was due to us because of our sin And Jesus provided for our redemption. And the beautiful thing is that one day Jesus is coming again. There will be the end of the age where he will fully usher in the kingdom of heaven. And we're waiting for that day. We long for that day. Believe me, ever since I've been in this wheelchair, I've been longing for that day even more and more. The question is, how do we live now, knowing that one day that dragnet is going to come, the end of the age will be ushered in? Based on this parable, how do we live now? Well, I'm usually, um, I've got three applications for us this morning. They all begin with the letter C. Usually I'm not that cute. Uh, But they just uh, kind of worked out that way uh, for us this morning. Uh, Before I do get into those three applications, I think our main application, uh, major application, is this. Um, If I wasn't a Presbyterian, we may have an altar call this morning. uh, Because first and foremost, uh, what our application is, is to understand that God's justice is real. That he is a just God who will punish sin. And if we do not confess our sins and put our faith and trust in Jesus, um, God's wrath remains on us. So our first task is to confess our sins, to trust in Jesus and come to him. And if there is anyone here this morning who has not put their faith and trust in Jesus, my prayer for you Is that you would run to Him. For those of you who do know Jesus, our task is to continually to confess our sins and trust in Him. He is the one who saves. Um, But this parable also brings us comfort this morning. That's the first C is comfort. Um, God will execute justice on all evil. Mark read Psalm uh, 73 for us this morning. It often does seem like the wicked prosper, doesn't it? Um, I would say especially in our day and age, but it's been that way since the beginning of time. Uh, it often seems like the wicked prosper. Um, but God is a God of justice, and He will execute justice on all evil. Um, one of the things that our family enjoys often is, uh, there's a, well, there's a show that we've been enjoying recently uh, from uh, PBS. Uh, it's based on the, the books by James Herriot uh, called All Creatures Great and Small. He's a country vet in England, and just, it's a joy uh, to sit down and watch that together as a family Um, The latest season that we've been enjoying, um, it's about the time where World War II uh, is beginning to to percolate. Uh, France has recently surrendered to Germany, and the question is, what's going to happen in England? Uh, We know what happens, uh, but James, our main character, uh, is getting ready because he believes that he's going to be called to go fight And his desire is to go do so uh, because of what was happening, the great injustice, the great evil that was happening. Um, And our desire is, when we see evil like that, is for God to proclaim justice on evil. Um, We know that God is a God who is capable and does execute justice, and that should bring us comfort. We may not know when, we may not know how, it may be at the end of the age, but God will execute justice on evil. It will end, and that should bring us comfort. But as I've mentioned many times, this passage is very sobering. Um, Knowing that God will execute justice on evil, that should also fill us with a tremendous amount of compassion. We must have compassion. Um, One of the joys I've had this past year is being able to lead chapels at Agathos Classical School, where my my children go. And we've been looking at the life of David. And we just looked at uh, the point where Saul died, and now David finally can stop running from his enemy. And he will now become the next king. But David doesn't rejoice over the death of Saul. He mourns deeply. He mourns deeply. Um, we should not rejoice in the death of evil and wicked, uh, especially of evil and wicked men. Uh, we should mourn over that. In fact, um, Jesus in Matthew 5 calls us to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute us. We shouldn't be desiring that God would smite those who are wicked in our lives. Um, David sometimes does pray for that, and that's a difficult prayer, isn't it? Um, In the midst of Knowing that God will execute justice, we need to also have compassion. And that compassion should lead us to our third C, which is the Great Commission. Our calling is by Jesus in Matthew 28 to make disciples of all nations, spreading the word of the gospel to everyone that we have opportunity to. The last thing that Jesus tells his disciples in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This whole parable is very sobering, um, it's difficult. But I pray that for us this morning, it will uh, lead us to these three C's, uh, that it will bring a sense of comfort for us, and in that comfort, we will be led towards compassion. And in our compassion, we will seek out to live out this great commission, uh, not in our own strength, but through the grace that God gives us through Christ. Let's pray to that end this morning. Let's pray together. Our most gracious God and our Father in heaven, you are our Father who has created us. And Lord, we admit that we have fallen short of your glory. But thanks be to God that you have sent us your son, Jesus, uh, to accomplish for us uh, what we could not do on our own, uh, to take our place who died on the cross so that we might be saved from our sins. And we know uh, that just as surely as he came the first time, uh, we know that he is coming again and we look forward to that day. Uh, Father, as we wrestle with this parable this morning, Um, I pray that you would fill us. um, Father, first of all, fill us with the truth of the gospel. Um, And I pray that you would fill us with your comfort, uh, that you would lead us to compassion and help us to live out the great commission, uh, that you would use us in a mighty way to be witnesses for you. Um, So that the gospel would go forth in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, We need your strength and encouragement to accomplish this. It is not something we can do on our own. And we thank you that you have given us the gift of this sacrament that we are about to enjoy this morning. Uh, This reminder uh, of the body and blood of Christ that was broken and shed on our behalf. And as you fed the Israelites with manna in the desert, uh, I pray that you would feed us with Jesus, our bread of life, uh, to encourage us, to strengthen us uh, in our journey that you have for us. Um, Father, I I pray that you would, by the power of your Holy Spirit, take these ordinary elements and use them for extraordinary purposes in our lives. We give you thanks, and we give you praise, and it's in your Son's name alone that we pray. Amen.